The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. And welcome to the Pride of Detroit POD cast, Pride of Detroit.com, Pride of Detroit on Twitter, Pride of Detroit on Facebook, Pride of Detroit on Spotify, maybe, I don't know. You can find the Pride of Detroit POD cast, though, on Spotify, along with Apple Podcasts, formerly known as iTunes, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. We're back once again, and now we're here to talk about Big Game. We previewed it on a pseudo first bite. Now we're going to talk about it here on the Pride of Detroit POD cast, but don't you worry yourself. This is a Detroit Lions podcast, and there are Lions angles and Lions news to talk about this week as we sit down here to bid the NFL season adieu. I am Chris Perfett, the adequate host at Chris Perfett, P-E-R-F-E-T-T. That's how you spell my last name. Don't wear it out. It's easier than my old one, though. That's all that matters. We're joined once again by Jeremy Reisman, fearless leader, managing editor of the Pride of Detroit at Detroit Online on Twitter. Jeremy. How are we? I'm doing good. You, you, you better be careful using French terms like a do. You might uh, trigger some Saints fans. Everything they don't triggers need, they, Saints fans. They, they don't need help with that. Like, I, I think there's a legitimate question if Saints fans are on, on route, are en route to becoming the most insufferable fan base in all of sports. They're close. They're close. Who would you have at number one right now? Boston. Well, I mean... <laughs> that that's an, I'm sorry that for, is an S tier. That's an S tier <laughs> that we have to save forever. I I you you blindsided me with that. Maybe it's because they won today and I hate everything because of it. <laughs> Let's bring in our third third member of the team, the third man, Ryan Matthews. Back is the rock guy. At Ryan underscore P O D on Twitter. Ryan always likes when I get to call him the third man. How are you doing, Ryan? I like to be introduced as the third man for obvious reasons that go unstated, but I'm doing well. Thanks, Chris. It's officially the off-season time. We're on the road to WrestleMania. We are on the road to WrestleMania, yes. And I'm out. <laughs> it is funny. Uh, we're, we're not going to... I was about to say we're going to get to some of that wrestling stuff later, but then that was me off on a tangent. We're not getting wrestling stuff. We're getting to, we're getting to plenty of football stuff and uh first things is i want to see how everyone's recovering after the super Bowl because i smell like beer 
Um, I didn't even drink that much. It's just that I was bringing in the leftover beer. I, I went out to this friend's place in Manhattan Beach that was way too rich. Like I was shocked at like like he's he's maybe a little younger than me, and I was just shocked at like how swank this house was. And I felt completely out of my element because I just brought like a, a case of course to drink. <laughs> And I was bringing that case, of course, in from the house because, of course, I'm not going to leave it there for him. I'm taking it all home myself. And the cardboard box handle broke. I smashed like three bottles. I tried to bring the surviving bottles in. I succeeded, but I stink of of beer right now. And I really need a shower. So how's everyone else doing in the aftermath? I I can imagine that there are a lot of, like, football players that might still smell like beer, Chris. So you have something in common with the New England Patriots. Do you feel dirtier now? I feel filthy. <laughs> why do you? Why did you do that? Because it was too easy, and you just left it hanging out there. Anyways, no. uh, I, I'm I'm in a state of uh, I'm I'm not bummed that football's gone. I'm I'm kind of glad after last night's game went out with like less than a whimper that football is officially taking a break and it's the off season and we have a chance to do a lot of hand wringing about draft picks and, and other nonsense. So I, I'm, I, I guess I'm, I'm looking forward to a little bit of a break from football. Jeremy, how are, how are you feeling about football post Super Bowl? Uh, I, I think you kind of nailed it a little bit. Like normally I think I would be feeling some sort of loss today, but I'm actually in, in some sort of weird state of contentment where not necessarily that the game went as I wanted it to. I didn't really have a, a, a rooting interest either way. My only rooting interest was to be right. And in that sort of sense, I was. So that kind of feels good. But in the end, like, I'm not I'm not in this, like, post-traumatic stress disorder mood where it's just like, well, now what am I going to do for six months? It's more like, okay, I get a break now. This is, this is nice. No, Maybe don't. I'll watch some AAF next week. Maybe I, I won't. I say AAF. AF coming. We'll see. You don't get a break anymore. The break is over. <sighs> we've we've delayed this long enough. Five minutes. Should we talk about the Super Bowl? I guess. What is there to talk about? That's, got that's a valid question. That is a valid question about what is there to talk about. Because in the aftermath... I mean, okay. Backing up. Trying to be professional for a second. We have to say there's something to talk about. We got to sell this to you so you keep listening. But let me tell you, in that immediate aftermath, I did like that was I don't know if it's the most boring Super Bowl ever, but man, there were a lot of people. And I know I know Jeremy might storm in here to talk about a defensive masterpiece or whatever. I don't think it was that. And I will say this, like for what was advertised, the Super Bowl is an event. It is football's WrestleMania. It brings in casual viewers who maybe don't appreciate the <laughs> massive defensive struggles or whatever was going on in that game. And I don't think they were very well plus. I was even I was with a room full of Patriots fans, and only one of them was really into the game. I so. I can't even imagine what it would be like to win six Super Bowls in 18 years. Like would yeah, you must get be tired nice. by the six? And and yet still talking about yourself like you've been doubted this whole time. Right. Like you've been disrespected. 
Like they've gone full MAGA chud out there right now. Like even in the aftermath of winning this, they're like taking dumps on the media for what the media was all in your corner too. I know, I know Jeremy, you were talking about like the chaos angle, but I think that's kind of from your perspective working in the blogosphere where there probably were more people rooting for the Rams. Traditional media though, like ESPN people, the CBS people, the sports talk radio people, they were all on board for the Patriots. Yeah. But I guess in terms of like overall entertainment for the game, you're absolutely right that this wasn't a game for casual fans and for a lot of, you know, diehard fans who who got excited by the wave of big offenses and, and fun plays and big explosion plays. There were no there wasn't really a big play, a single big play in this game. Maybe it yeah. was an intercept the interception late in the game, but even that was just kind of like it was a poorly thrown jump ball. It's not only that, it was just use from some of the guys in the Rams, too. We didn't see, we saw 10 carries from Todd Gurley this game. Mm-hmm. 10. And he continues to insist that he's not hurt, that he's, you know, healthy and fine. And he only ran 35, most prolific runner in the game, or only runs 35 yards. And again, part of that is, as we'll talk about, Patriots kind of schemed against that. But like, man, that's bad. Yeah. And Aaron Donald, five tackles, no sacks, a quarterback hit. And Dominic Sue, two tackles, no sacks, a quarterback hit. None of the big players really had big moments in this game outside of Julian Edelman. And I can I can see why that was frustrating for a lot of fans. I'm not going to come here and say and be like, you know what? Defensive battle. This was actually the greatest football game ever played or anything like that. But I do think there was something compelling about, you know, the Los Angeles Rams coming to this game, leading an offensive coup in the league, getting completely shut down by the Patriots. That's that's at least a compelling storyline. And it's a compelling storyline with Lions ties. Before I get to that, I should probably let Ryan give his thoughts on the game. Were you were you excited by the game, Ryan? Were you entertained by it? Were you entertained by this game, the commercials, Travis Scott making every nerd on the internet mad because they didn't play Sweet Victory? Was there anything here in this game that you enjoyed? Uh, I I certainly was not like entertained by almost anything that happened during the game, and I think it's really interesting. Like I agree with Jeremy. Like it, as far as like a storyline goes, or as like a narrative to take away, like yeah, it's super like it's super interesting how the Patriots were able to so effectively shut down one of the highest powered offenses that we've seen in quite some time in the Rams this season. But like I think it's like the example of maybe something where like the book is really good, but the movie sucks. <laughs> like. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like if you try if, if you try yeah. to adapt this to the screen, like that's what we got. Like that's what we I mean that's what just unfolded. Like it's gonna be it's gonna be much better told like years later as like, you know, the the sleep tanks that Josh McDaniels and the rest of the Patriots uh, you know, coaching staff where they can simulate like five to six hours of sleep in thirty minutes. You know, some some story will be told about that and how much they had to prepare and game plan for the Los Angeles Rams, but this um, was the video no. game movie of of football. This was the Doom. This was this was Assassin's Creed. Oh goodness. Yeah. It was it wasn't <laughs> fun to watch though. I was not entertained. I yeah, I was bored, man. I, I don't know what about it. Like I was trying to really enjoy Indomitian Sue out there and just like nothing really clicked here. A lot a lot of people were bored though. I mean the ratings came out. Like the Super Bowl ratings hit a ten year low. Mm-hmm. They just you know the game football is failing because of the liberals. The game just needed a controversial pass interference penalty. This is why we don't make <laughs> pass interference it. reviewable is because there was no big. We we didn't have a, a, a referee controversy and the game was boring. You throw in a, uh, you, 
a bad you call. Sh- That's what we're all talking about today, and we're all excited. You joke about that, but I heard a lot of people talking about no calls in the first half. Really? I No, I'm, I'm absolutely true. First quarter or so, there were people talking about the refs letting them play fast and loose. Why would they do that after? Why would they do that? Why would, why would the refs allow people to play football? (laughs) Okay. I hate that. This is all we get to talk about after a Super Bowl. I really do. I mean, there's some other things. I mean, if, if we can, if we can get into maybe like the, some of the, like, let's get into some of the ancillary stuff. Okay. So let's talk about how the halftime show is just like a halftime show. Mm -hmm. Any halftime show. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it was just as unspectacular as a game, really. That's what I mean. Like everything, <laughs> everything about this Super Bowl was so emblematic of like what this Super Bowl was. Like, and it's so against like what the Super Bowl should be. Like, I mean, even like last year's game was like at least super entertaining because you know, leads were exchanging. Like it's really different because if you look at what happened, you know, last night in the Super Bowl, like sure, the game was quote unquote close the whole time by like score, but like that's not that's not what a lot of people find fun and interesting about football. Like that's not what creates like there isn't any actual tension because there's nothing that's happening. Like yeah. the, there there are no points being scored. Like the lead the lead isn't exchanging hands. It, it's not anything that I I think anybody's like glued to their set watching and finding any kind of like entertainment out of it. And like perfectly to coincide with the fact that we had one field goal in the first half. Maroon Five, which is like the embod the human like the the musical embodiment of like a field goal, <laughs> they come out and then they they throw up whatever set that that was. I mean, it was whatever. And then Adam Levine takes his shirt off and I think redeems it for like quite a few people. But like I don't know, I saw some people say you take his shirt off and all those tattoos spell out Dirtbag John Bolton. <laughs> one one of one of my favorite tweets was not great. Now I have to go explain to my like children that Adam Levine has nipples. <laughs> I mean, I that that's the funny thing too cuz even with like the small nods they got to do to Atlanta having Travis Scott and and Big Boy show up and that just doesn't seem like it was like okay, this this is and yet somehow also they found like the one majority white drum line in the entire Atlanta metro area <laughs> which is a miracle if you think about it, but I it was that that's a thing too, right? we talked about the casual audience, at least the casual audience, when the game's bad, they fall back on the halftime show or the soup or the commercials. And both of those have not been good in a long time now. Oh, dude, it seemed like at every commercial break, there was, there was a robot that was, that was a big theme. Yeah. Robots I, were the thing. Yeah. Really? Well, people hate robots. And like the most interesting thing that came out of those commercials probably was Burger King shooting themselves in the foot, with the Andy Warhol ad, which I might talk about in the mailbag. And probably, if you saw this on Twitter, corn growers getting really mad at Bud Light. <laughs> I'm serious. There's there's videos out there of corn growers like pouring their Bud Light down the sink. <laughs> <laughs> well, this I, is a real honestly, thing. I think the commercials were responsible for the one entertaining moment of the night, and people were saying it at the time, and I was kind of rolling my eyes. But I'm, the NFL 100 commercial was probably the best thing that I saw last night. And, uh, and when it happened at halftime, everyone's like, oh, well, this is, this is so much better than the first half of the Super Bowl. 
I'm like, okay, but just wait. Like, it's a close game. We're going to have some fireworks at the end. We didn't end up having any fireworks. <laughs> how that went? Yeah, how that worked. And out. then, so yeah, we're left with Barry Sanders making a sweet cut move and a turn and, and a spin move. And that was the best thing I saw all day. Ninja appearing for half a second with brilliantly pink hair. Yeah, that was Magical. fantastic. I, well, I, I, I too, Jeremy, I think the NFL 100 commercial was the best part of the five hours I spent in front of a television screen. Uh, but the, 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 the question I have about the Andy Warhol commercial is why does he take the top bun off the burger and then he puts the ketchup on the side? I don't know. I I'll, I'll explain. Weird dude. You know what? You know what? Stay well, Andy tuned. Warhol, weird explain. dude. Yeah. I mean, stay tuned. I'll explain more about Andy Warhol, but because Jerry, Jeremy, Oh boy. Many J J words now. Because Jeremy mentioned Barry Sanders, I feel like we should bring it back to a Lions topic here for the last 10 minutes before we have to go to commercial and then start talking about some Lions news. Is that in the aftermath of this game, we did have a Lions, a a little bit of a Lions nod, a little bit of the Lions nod. The Lions showed up in the Super Bowl. What can we say? You thought you'd never see it. You hate you, 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 but you love to see it. You love to see it on ESPN's NFL primetime after the game. Post game, Bill Belichick, Patriots head coach, quote, and let me try to do my Belichick voice here. Oh boy. We felt like we could make them drive it, make them earn it, similar to what the Lions did, and make them run a lot of plays. And if we get a third down, we felt like we could get them off the field. In the vacuum, that is absolutely gibberish coach speak, but he mentions the Lions, folks. He mentions the Lions. And then uh, James Light, he's kind of a football strategist on Twitter. I, I completely forget most of his qualifications. I apologize deeply if he's listening. He's also because, very much like centered around Patriots strategy. Like talks yeah. about them all the time. I know he does some stuff with like Michigan high school football as well, I believe. Yeah, but, I think he yeah, Dakota, Dakota football, football is like the Dakota yeah. football. But I wasn't I mean, I could have reached out to him and asked, like, hey, who are you? But that just seemed wrong. So <laughs> and awkward. But anyway, he, he broke it down a lot, even before the, before the game, actually. He had a thread on February 2nd talking about, you know, Belichick and, uh, had schemed since like 2015 to take away what he called middle of the field throws, uh, weak side, outside zone runs. And you saw some of that in the week 13 matchup from the Lions against the Rams. And that's what Bill Belichick was talking about, because the Lions also schemed to stop the Rams in their middle of the field passes and, and outside zone runs and which, yeah, the, the Rams rely on that quite a bit. Now, obviously the results are quite different from 13 to three versus what was it for lions Rams? It was 30, 30 to, 16. to 16. Yeah. Yep. Of course. But I mean, to be fair, the Rams had what they scored 14 of those points in the last five, 10 minutes. Yeah, so it, it was a, a largely effective game plan and had the Lions not turned the ball over twice uh, late in the game and given the, the Rams good field position on both those touchdown drives late in the game. I, I mean, it's not it's not going to be a 14 to three win, but Lions certainly could have won that game with the game plan that they had. They just didn't really execute offensively. Mm-hmm. Question I want to ask, and I'll pitch it to Ryan here, though. Mm-hmm. Does that mean anything for the Lions future at all? Because I see some people reading into the tea leaves now and saying that is a sign that the Lions should be hopeful for the for their future. I think people are probably trying to like interpret it on like a micro level, 
And I think they need to look at it in like a macro sense, because I think it means something just, I think it means something from the standpoint that like Matt Patricia is good at um, game planning and he's probably good at watching film. Like I, I think that he proved these things in new England as a defensive coordinator. Like they're pretty good at scheming for opponents. Um, however, uh, so, so, well, so quickly, like, yeah, I mean, like, it's good on that level. It's nice that the Lions have a guy who can put together a nice game plan. However, like, what we saw this season is that, like, the Lions just didn't necessarily have, like, the talent to match up with it. And you know what's really hard in the NFL is to, like, get the right talent in the right place at the right time. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, then your coach can, uh, can, can, you know, it's about the scheme fitting what the players could do, not trying to fit the players into the scheme. So um, I, it's, it's nothing really nice to write home about. Um, I think, I think that there is a little bit of like overreaction. Um, I hope that more of it is more tongue in cheek than anything. And it's fun to know that the lions beat the Patriots and that they also kind of served up this, this proof of what Bill Belichick probably already suspected. Right. Um, But the team has to become a team through player development and player acquisition. And that's much harder than anything else. Jeremy. Sorry. Sorry to go all Andrew Whitworth on you. No, we're no, no. Gonna no die I, in the end. We're going <laughs> to die in the end. Nothing matters. I uh, eat, eat Arby's. Uh, Jeremy, is, that, is that their slogan? We're all going to die anyways. Eat Arby's. For Nillist Arby's it is. <laughs> it totally Jeremy. Is. I think I think another big talking point when it comes between Lions Patriots as we talk about this. And I kind of threw it out there as some maximum debate last night about how look at how much better the Patriots defense is without Matt Patricia as a defensive coordinator and yet this morning I know that's starting to get a little bit of play in some places. Well, yeah, I I honestly I think both of these narratives deserved some critical thinking and mm-hmm. I, I think there there is some validity to both because you know I, I was thinking about that during the game because I saw some national guys I think it was uh Michael David Smith who who seems to have it in for Patricia uh mentioning that that same narrative because you think about what happened last year is the Patriots were going up against this RPO new Eagles offense that was so good and lighting teams on fire in in the playoffs and they couldn't stop them the entire game they didn't have an answer for it now this year they're coming against rams offense another new innovative offense that's tearing every team apart and they held them to nothing and and that's something worth considering and i looked at the rosters from both super bowls there's only four different starters this year dietrich wise taking over for james harrison pretty significant change since james harrison was at the tail end of his career and had only been in the team with the team for a month donta hightower Obviously missed almost the entire season last year. Pretty big improvement over Landon Roberts, who I don't know who that is, if I'm being completely honest. Jason McCourty took Eric Rose's spot, and Jonathan Jones took Duran Harmon's spot in, in the defensive backfield. So Yeah, and like the only other thing was like maybe Patrick Chung left this game early or so. Yep. But according to some too. Patriots fans I talked about, they were actually happy to see him leave, but right. whatever. So I don't know. I mean, four out of eleven starters are different. That's not completely insignificant but it's not like a complete offensive overhaul or defensive overhaul 
And then in, in terms of, you know, the scheming that Matt Patricia showed against the Rams earlier in the year, I think that has validity too, because I think that's something that Lions fans were waiting for all season, right? It's like, when is this defensive mastermind going to show up? When is this guy that can game plan the hell out of everyone show up, is going to show up? Because this is a defense that got gashed in the first two months of the season. They got gashed by rookie quarterback in his very first start on week one. And, you know, I, I, I think the results that the Lions had spoke for themselves and as the season kind of turned around towards the end of the season, at least defensively. But it, it, it's also nice to see some acknowledgement from a, a head coach that everyone respects the hell out of. And does it mean that Matt Patricia is, is going to game plan people like this all the time? No, of course not. He still needs to prove it on the field. But I think it confirms some things that maybe we were we were thinking, but we didn't get enough evidence of during the actual season. What's your take on all this, Ryan? We are on the road to WrestleMania. <laughs> okay. Uh, my only take is we are once again back in the territory of is this Patricia? I mean, you know, is this Patricia guy going to stand on its own or is it going to be another Belichick thing? I don't know. Because as much as, as Jeremy's saying there's great points, I don't know how much we've really learned at the end of the day. And maybe we just need a Lions season before we can write a book. I, 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 my true takeaway is, is kind of just what I said earlier. Like, I mean, if you, if you have good players, then good things will follow. Like, what a strategy. Take, take, take 2014 as a perfect example. Look at Jim Caldwell's career. Okay. So like when Jim Caldwell had pieces, when he had Peyton Manning, he went to the Super Bowl. When he didn't have Peyton Manning, he didn't go to the Super Bowl. He barely even won any football games. When he had a talented defensive roster in Detroit, he made it to the playoffs and was, uh, you know, a quarter away from winning the first playoff game in my lifetime. And when the talent regressed a little bit and when there was a, you know, a changeover in the GM, well, there were some stumbling blocks. And as this roster builds itself up through Bob Quinn, um, there, it's, it's going to take some time to catch up. I think that it's nice to have a guy like Patricia in terms of like a football sense that he knows what he's doing, but the players have to catch up. All right, let's take a quick break here. When we come back, we're going to start moving into Lions offseason. We've got a couple of coaching change news to really talk about. Uh, We might talk a little bit about what we kind of want to see once again for the offseason, but we've got to get to these coaching changes first. Mailbag is coming up as well with more thoughts from the Super Bowl. We will be right back on the Pride of Detroit POD. Quoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Pride to Detroit, P-O-D-Cast, PrideToDetroit.com. We're rolling right along. Before we move on to Lions stuff, one last note about the Super Bowl, more about its its uh, fallout that I would love to hear your guys' takes on, is that I was driving home after the, par- after the party, after our Super Bowl party, listening to, to the Rams post-game radio, and now seeing a, uh, a tweet today from John Breach about Stan Kroenke 
in a Starbucks being upbeat about the future of his team, but also seeing that from a lot of Rams players as well. And I think we were talking about this last night on Slack, Ryan, that the normal, and I hate to use the wrestling word word because I know it's going to trigger Jeremy, the normal kayfabe of, of Super Bowl football is that if you lose, you're supposed to be devastated and crushed and just absolutely destroyed, at, you know, the, the uber predator competitor failing at the highest level or whatever. And yet the Rams really weren't. So they were, they, you know, they, they knew that they had c- come up short, but they also recognized their positives from this game and everything. Wait, and I just don't know how well that sits with the current sports fan. And yeah. I, I'm curious, like, what you thought about that. Because I know you heard some of that, too. Like, you listen to Dominican Sue or Todd Gurley, even though Todd Gurley had, like, one of the worst games of his career on the biggest stage. And he's like, yeah, no, I feel good. And, you know, it sucks. But we're going to, you know, go to this offseason with, you know, taking the positive lessons from this and come back and try again. Yeah, I, I don't think that does sit very well with uh, with a large contingency of football fans. Um, and for, for whatever reason, I mean, because fan is always short for fanatic. So, I mean, surely these players must care about the game and the outcome of it as, as much as we do. But um, I'm, I'm totally fine with it. Obviously like football is just like one aspect of their life. I mean, you see, we were seeing that as like a, um, we're seeing that like much more so like with all NFL players, like we were wondering whether or not this would be Gronk's last game because he's uh, showing an awareness and cognizance for the fact that like he wants his brain to be intact and his thighs hurt all the time because of all the leg shots he takes. Like, so I, I don't have a problem with the Rams, like not being fearful of, you know, Dan, the fearful of the tale of Dan Marino. Right. Like, I mean, there's there's that there's that awful dread that people have when they go to the Super Bowl for the first time and they don't win it, um, and it's supposed to be like, oh yeah, you know what, you might you might be a young quarterback like Jared Goff, but remember, like Dan Marino made the Super Bowl when he was young, and then he never got back ever again, and it's like, well, if I take that attitude with me in life anywhere, like I'm gonna be so terrified of failure, then what's even the point of trying? Well, I so, think too, it's like the the money for these guys is is good enough that it's like, I mean, yeah, winning the Super Bowl is great, but we have all these conversations every year about what does the Super Bowl mean for your career. But I think some guys are coming up now that just they don't care where they're, you know, what history thinks about their career. They're more than willing. They're they're being professional about it. It's their profession. My my question is, should they be worried that they might? suffer from Dan Marino syndrome because the Rams, I mean, absolutely. Yeah. We talked about this before, right? I mean, we, we came into the season saying like, wow, look at all these moves that they're making this off season. This really looks like a push to go in all in right now because they're trading away future draft picks. They're, they're spending cap, you know, cap numbers. That's going to bite to bite them in the future. When, when guys like Jared Goff are due for an extension and, and is, I'm not going to ask if their window is already closed. It certainly isn't, but, you know, if, if they do maybe they got another them. year or two with these teams uh, that they have right now, but I don't know. I mean, Jared Goff is, is a guy that I'm still not completely sold on. And I think yesterday was, was a good example of why I'm not completely sold on him, but he, it's also just his third year. And Tom Brady kind of talked about it in, in the opening, you know, interview before the game, like he didn't know what the hell was going on in the league in his second year. And you, you look now he's in his year 30 or 80 or whatever he's in. And, you know, he, he sees the game much differently. So 
while I think Jared Goff has room to grow and, and could potentially take this team to, to future Super Bowls, like he kind of has to do it right now. Well, I, I think what last night proved is that maybe the Rams can just, uh, you know, control C and control V, a brand new quarterback. They can, they can, take, they can take their scheme that they have right now or they can take um, their their model for um, building this roster, and I don't think it's so important that like Jared Goff is an essential piece of it. So like, if Jared Goff is due for like a contract extension, like maybe he's not worth it, and maybe they just go an alternative route. I mean, maybe the Lions might be under a roster construction with a new quarterback, Ooh. but it might be Russell Wilson. Okay. Okay. Well, let's I, th- talk I thought about- you actually had a segue going into what we were supposed to be talking about. Instead, you're just yeah. trolling. Yeah, yeah. No, we're well, going to talk about quarterback coaches, right? We're going to talk about running back and quarterback coaches, two backs. Uh, first off, David Walker, running back coach, has retired from football. He retired uh, at the end of January here. Actually, we're getting to this news a little late. Um, he's spending more time with his family. He's done. Uh, and I mean, yeah, he joined. He, I mean, he joined the team in 2016. He's kind of overseen kind of this new wave of Lions running backs, be it Amir Abdullah and now Carryon Johnson. But what what is going to be his impact? What is going to be the impact with losing him on the coaching staff? I don't know. I I find the move kind of interesting, and especially the timing of it, seeing that it happens, you know, a week after the Lions hire a new offensive coordinator who's kind of focused on the running game. And it's just like, what's well, odd. Like this should be a good time to be David Walker where running backs are going to be featured. And if, if it works, you're going to look really good. And it's just like, Oh, okay. So now I decide to step down. I'm not suggesting anything nefarious. His reasons, at least that he said publicly were very much understandable. And if he wants to go spend time with family, probably spending all your days at Allen park day and night, you know, we've heard, plenty of stories about this coaching staff and how uh you know they burn the midnight oil and all that sort of stuff so i I understand it but it'll be interesting to see what the lions do here whether they i mean they could potentially go without a running backs coach a lot of patriots organizations in the past when they you know they lose a head coach they just have someone else assume their duties and don't really add a a, another voice to the room but i don't know i i I just it's interesting The the timing the news Everything about this is interesting, but I don't know what it really means yet. Any any thoughts from him, Ryan? Mm, nothing other than that. I mean, with with a new offensive coordinator, it just it, it seems like it's another position to be filled, and I, I think it means less about like who the running back coach ends up being and like what Bevel's able to do in his first season as offensive coordinator. I feel like a lot of it will be put on his shoulders, anyways. Like in terms of like the success and. When people start pointing fingers, I think people are going to be pointing their finger at Bevel before they point their finger at a running back coach. Well, speaking of the other position, we might as well talk about that. George Godsey is out at quarterback's coach. Uh, for he is. How, how long has he been with the – I don't have his stats up here. How long was he with the organization? Just year? two years, I believe, and Just he was only years. the quarterback's okay. coach last year. So that was, I believe, the fourth. This is going to be the fourth quarterback coach in five years for Matt Stafford. And the new guy in town is Sean Ryan, who has a very impressively filled out uh, Wikipedia page for someone who has been an an offensive assistant 
and a positional coach. I usually don't see guys getting more like more than like three paragraphs, and he's got it pretty well filled out. Especially for a guy who has two first names. He really does. It's almost a wrestling name, Sean Ryan. <laughs> You're just really trying to get the wrestling talk in there. <laughs> no, I haven't even watched wrestling. I didn't even watch the Royal Rumble, so you, you can't Good put that you. juju on me. No, I was just lazy and, and I don't have cable or WWE network anymore. Um, let's see. Okay, so I mean... What what can we say about him? Started as an offensive assistant here for, I believe, uh, played around in college for a bit. Was really on quality control and a wide receivers coach for the Giants. Won a couple couple Super Bowls with them. Moved up to become the quarterbacks coach there for about a year before jumping around the league. Late of the Houston Texans, where once again he was a wide receivers and quarterbacks coach. And I think it's fascinating because he has that kind of dual background in that he has done both wide receivers and quarterbacks. Um, he's very highly regarded, but I think some people are curious as to why the Lions ran out to get Sean Ryan over George Godsey. I think, Jeremy, you kind of consider this a lateral move, if I'm not mistaken. Well, I mean, it's, it's a literal lateral move for Sean Ryan in that he was the quarterback's coach for the Texans and wasn't publicly fired. He just moved on to Detroit, which is always kind of weird because there wasn't a formal, we fired him. There wasn't any sort of reasoning. You know, we haven't heard from Sean Ryan, much like every new Lions coach. We're not going to hear from them until they are forced into the podium and by NFL rules, they're shackled by the NFL rules and have to do it. So you have to wonder, did things go sour with Bill O'Brien? Did he just not see room for, for growth since Bill O'Brien is essentially their offensive coordinator there and calling plays? Does he think maybe... There's a chance that someday he takes over for Daryl Bevel if Bevel gets a uh, head coaching job or gets fired or whatever. Um, so, again, this is kind of like a scenario where it's like, this is interesting. I don't know why, but it's interesting. And in terms of the, the man himself, again, it's always kind of hard to parse uh, players' success from their positional coaches. Like, obviously, Deshaun Watson has has a lot of things going for him. He's kind of turnover prone, in my opinion. but he certainly played pretty darn well for, for his age under uh, Sean Ryan. And, you know, he's, he's done some good and bad things with Eli Manning back in the day as well. And I think the, the point that you brought up as well is pretty interesting. The fact that he does quarterbacks and wide receivers makes him kind of a versatile option there in practices. So um, the, the wide receivers could certainly use some coaching up as well. So I, I like the hire. I, I think a lot of people around the league thought this was a guy that was eventually going to get an offensive coordinator job. He, he interviewed for a couple last year. So he certainly has the 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 reputation, I think, to to be a good hire there. And I, I don't think anyone would complain about the the lines moving around from Godsey because Stafford was awful this year. What are your takes on this uh, on on this, Brian? I I think it is interesting that he does have a background coaching both wide receivers and quarterbacks, um, especially when you look at the Lions. Well. Well, what's interesting about him being the quarterback's coach for the Lions is that it seems like they're definitely heading in this like run game heavy approach um, where at least they're not going to be airing it out as much as, as as a lot of people hope they will with Matthew Stafford. But um, I don't know. I, I think the I think the takeaway is that like he did have some interest as an offensive coordinator. But beyond that, like a lateral move like Jeremy mentioned for him, um, it's 
once again, I think everything this season is going to fall on the shoulder, the shoulders of Daryl Bevel. Like those are the, like, that's the guy who always gets the finger pointed at them. That's the guy who always, you know, ends up being fired or promoted. If he does well, it, it it's, it's all on him. Really? Positional, positional, I, I would think positional coaches don't matter that much to me. Cause I would think a lot more pressure is going to be on Patricia this year after this kind of season we had last, but I mean, could be on Bevel too. You never know. They uh, They're both, they both got to cut out for him. I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, okay. We might as well get back to the memes. I think Ryan was aiming for about Russell Wilson. Why are you talking about Russell Wilson? I'm just, I, that was really just off the cuff, but uh, apparently the Seahawks and Russell Wilson haven't had too much, too much discussion when it comes to a contract extension. So it, it would be wild, right? I mean, we never see franchise quarterbacks ever reach the the market. So I think we've, yeah, this is this is going to turn into some rank stuff pretty quick. Because <laughs> yeah. you know, it's really hard to build a team when you're paying a franchise quarterback twenty plus million dollars. Why not do it with two quarterbacks? Um, so well, hold on, because the Eagles are the Eagles are hell. The they're dead bent on paying two quarterbacks. No, they aren't. The, they're Nick gonna, Foles they're, will not be their quarterback next year. He will not be on the roster. They're going to franchise tag him. Rams radio callers, callers in. We're asking if they should dump Jared Goff and get Nick Foles. Don't, so he's a hot commodity. Don't joke with the, the crowd. No one knows there aren't any. There's there's no Los Angeles sports radio call-ins. I hate you. <laughs> Are the Lions out of excuses on offense then? Like looking at all looking at all these coaching changes, we've now changed over the offensive coordinator. We change over the running backs coach. We change over the quarterbacks coach. I mean, if you don't start seeing some production this year, like, what's the answer? Yeah, no, they're and they changed the offensive line coach last year. They made offensive line moves last year. Um, I mean, I, I think the offensive line is good enough, even with or without TJ Lang. Like, you're not going to get a perfect offensive line. Uh, everyone else is good enough. The talent is good enough everywhere, but tight end right now, and maybe even an, and probably another wide receiver. Um, yeah, this, this needs to be a top 10 offense next year or heads need to start rolling again, which is not something I usually call for this early in a, in a head coaching career, but you know, the transition last year was a transition year for the offense because they did all the things that they, they wanted to do. They just didn't have the coaches that they needed in place because Jim Bob Cooter doesn't want to run that kind of offense. And, uh, now they got someone who has years of experience doing it. So. I I'm I'm already pretty uh, impatient with how bad the offense was this year, considering how good I think Stafford is and how good I think some of the personnel is. So yeah, there needs to be a turnaround right now. Yeah. And I think some people would say, well, just give it some time. But I think, I mean, this is a critical time for the lions. It is now five years since that 2014 run. And I know they went to the playoffs in 2016, but it wasn't really that great of a, of, a, of a team then. And yet you are still losing pieces here and there. And this, like, when you got the new head coach, it was supposed to be, you got to reload on the fly, fix, fix coaching things. And I, again, I know the 2018 defense was not as good as we thought. You know, it wasn't the patches because, like, things were falling apart. But, I mean, it's only going to degrade over time unless you really score big on some drafting coming up. We'll see if that happens. 
We will see. In the meantime, let's move on to our mailbag. It is the time where we let down the hair and talk more about the Super Bowl, the Lions, and everything else fun. We'll be right back on the Pride of Detroit POD cast. Mail time. Hashtag AskPOD on Twitter helps you get your questions in. And that is how we get the mailbag made. Uh, Before we do, I promised more talk about the Andy Warhol thing. Exciting absolutely no one ever. Yep. I think, Ryan, Ryan, did you want the story or no? Uh, No, go ahead. You tell it. No, no, I meant did you want to hear the story? Because if no one's interested, I'm not going to tell it. Oh, no. I mean, I, I read the story last night. But I think it'd be interesting to share with our listeners if you can synopsize it real it's, quick. Well, whoever whoever did that ad for Burger King um, did not do their research because Andy Warhol, when he got that burger, that Whopper, he was in that in it was it was a, it was shot by like some Dutch guy in the 70s. And he was more just doing it as an artistic piece about Andy Warhol sitting in complete silence eating a burger. I don't know why he did the catch, took the bun off and then put like the ketchup on the side. Unless he's one of those guys who just want a lot of bread, I, I, my mom does that. She eats all her sandwiches like open face. But yeah, but he put he, the bread. He put the bread back on top. Maybe he was just examining what was inside it. I don't know. It was um, just bizarre. Yeah, but anyway, Andy Warhol when he got it asked, "Where is the McDonald's?" Because I guess he thought that the McDonald's packaging was the most beautiful of the uh, fast food, and rather than wait to go get. Uh, someone to go get him some some mcdonald's he just settled on the burger king so expect to see some mcdonald's ads to that effect or something i don't know the brands are all like fucking each other right now like coors light and and like bud light are in ads together suddenly game of thrones and hbo are in bud light ads with an hbo head of marketing saying the bud knight must die like we're living in hell world right now with the ads Talk about a Venn diagram that completely misses me on both ends. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I did like that one clip, though, that the HBO, uh, the, the head of marketing for like HBO was absolutely clear that Bud Knight must die. Well, if it means the end of Dilly Dilly commercials, suddenly I'm the biggest Game of Thrones fan. Maybe. I don't think it is, but I wish. Those corn growers being mad at Bud Light still my favorite thing from the weekend. Anyway, let's get to the questions. Well, hold on. Okay. Because, oh, you, you do that while I read some questions. Okay. Hold on. Go on. Yeah, hold on. Go on. Because I don't know why. I don't know why Bud Light decided to just talk about corn syrup for four hours. I really don't. Because, I mean, if you're drinking Bud Light, you already don't care about what kind of stuff you're putting in your body so i mean what what's the difference between having corn syrup and not having corn syrup um, and if there was if there was well, if there was any beer if there was literally any beer that you were to ask me and line up all these like domestic beers and say which one has corn syrup i would have guessed bud light yeah and like that that's the funny thing too because budweiser did this thing last year where they had those ads just crapping all over you know craft beers like oh you can keep your grapefruit pumpkin ipa we're the work we're the beer of working 
or something like slash getting fucked up. That's like, like they I don't yeah I don't think the, I don't think Budweiser understands who their market is really, or maybe they do and they are they're disappointed by that and they want to change their perception. Like we're better than this. We're better than just a garden, you know, a, a, a lawnmower beer. It's like no, not really. Bud Light's healthy. That's what I learned last oh night. Bud God. Light's healthy. I thought that was the Miller. I thought that was the Miller ad or whatever it was. With the, one of those other robot ads. Like eight, there were like eighteen of them. What did robots do to them? Why didn't? Why wasn't the Super Bowl on Fox this year if they were so into robots? Ah, they would have just like crucified Cletus at the end of at the end <laughs> of regulation. The robots shall not replace us. All right, let's get to the questions. Uh, Brian Olson, Bryce Olson, I'm sorry, Bryce Olson from Jeremy's feed here asking, who is your white whale to have come play Fortnite with you? Uh, for those who missed it, Graham Glasgow did sit down with the Pride of Detroit guys uh, with Alex and Jeremy and played some Fortnite with y'all. Two and a half hours worth. Two and a half hours of Fortnite. And if you don't know what Fortnite is, you are officially too old. I'm surprised. I'm surprised somebody didn't get in the comments and say like, "Why isn't Graham Glasgow training?" We, I think, we, you know we what? Someone on that. someone on Twitter, I think, did say that. We literally joked about it on on while we were playing. He, he kind of gave his thoughts on that narrative. He should be studying Bevel's new offensive <laughs> team. Yep, that's exactly in a hyperbaric chamber, preparing like Goku, <laughs> just preparing for the giant fight. But I, I think to answer the question in terms of like. NFL players that actually do play the game, I think it's Golden Tate. Golden Tate would be a lot of fun to play with just because he's an entertaining dude. I want to, I see him always post like, like every athlete, they just post the victory royale screen that they won. Like, I want to see what it's like when he's playing. Like, how is he butt flipping with emotes in that game or, or just talking shit? Like, I want to hear all that. It's funny enough because Battle Royale continues to be a huge thing because I know, is it Carry On? He plays uh, Player Unknown's Battlegrounds, I think. I know some uh, of the lines play PUBG. A bunch of the secondary plays PUBG. Yeah, Dar- and now I think, I think EA is coming out with like a new Battle Royale called Apex Legends, which is like based mm-hmm. off of Titanfall. That's like being released almost like as a, as a surprise, maybe today. Yeah, I understand. We're talking about it today. There's some sort yeah, of yeah. We're, we're recording. We're recording uh, early Monday. afternoon Monday, and I think like around noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, they're going to be like some reveal trailer dropping. But it's just kind of fascinating, just how many people like. Are, yeah, that's that's the game of the moment now is battle royale stuff. So we gotta get some guys playing Smash. Nah. Graham Glasgow was amazing at Fortnite, by the way. He blew the both me and Alex out of the water and he's playing on, <laughs> on console too, which is harder. Mm. So go watch it. Twitch.tv slash Pride of Detroit. Yeah, go, go, go. Uh, follow us there. or Even if you got some money, subscribe. Hey, now that I got my computer upgrade, I'm going to start streaming some stuff on there too. Probably more diverse games than y'all just playing Fortnite. Eat that. Okay, uh, Mike Adi. How concerning is it that the Pats defense went from 31st in DVOA with Patricia to 16th without him? Again, going back to our earlier narrative. um, It's concerning, but it shouldn't be debilitating because they were missing a a big piece like Dunta Hightower last year. And I mean, like I said, there was there was significant 
personnel changes. Not a huge amount, but enough where it could matter. I mean, how do you think the Lions defense would have looked without you know, Darius Slay or without even, I mean, even without Jared Davis, I think it could have looked a lot worse, especially towards the end of the season. So it, it's something to definitely keep in the back of your mind as, as we move forward. But I, it's not something to be like, well, I guess, I guess Matt Patricia was the only guy holding him back. And now since the Lions took a step back defensively in 2018, it's going to be even worse next week. Um, I think the only reason the Lions took a significant step back defensively was just because it was a scheme change. And, and that takes a while. And, he didn't necessarily have the guys to match the scheme that he wanted. So it, I expect a, a much better defense next year, not necessarily top 10 or anything like that, but should be better. Real quick too, like, because we got to move on to another question, but I mean, the lions beat up on the Patriots earlier this year, the lions snake bitten offense, like the one good, one of the few games, the good games they had was they beat the Patriots. Like it's just what the Patriots do at this point. They start the year with really bad defense and then, they eventually make enough adjustments that they're good by the end of the year, and it's frustrating as hell. Yeah. By the way, did Brady get carried in this Super Bowl? Absolutely. I, I felt like I needed to be carried through the Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have one more question about Brady on that note from Tyler Dalkert. Is Brady gone after next season? No, I fully believe he's playing till 45. The guy's saying that he's playing till 45. I don't see why he wouldn't. Yep, fair enough. One more Super Bowl question for you, Ryan. This is specifically for you. Oh. It's not for you by name, but you seem by to be brand. leading authority on this. Magic Mur 20 asking us, can you name everyone in Maroon 5? No, nobody can. <laughs> I'm so mad. I'm I'm still just so upset. There are so many things that that CBS broadcast did like to intentionally piss me off. Like the bu- like the outcast bumper music only having big boy like you already mentioned the all white drum line like goodness gracious you know, like the entire internet is mad because they hinted at the spongebob thing because there was that petition you know we, we did our prop bet they hinted at the petition for like sweet victory for from spongebob yeah and they had squidward up there on like the screen for two seconds and then immediately travis scott comes out yeah. and now all today reddit and imger are throwing hissy fits I bet they are throwing hissy fits, but I mean, I sicko mode is the song of the year. So I'm just really <laughs> glad that we got that transition. I was actually and like tickled. half of it silenced by CBS. Yeah. I mean, did we, did we think it was a good idea to have Travis? Like, has anybody, <laughs> has anybody from CBS listened to a Travis Scott song? Like, did they not know what they were dipping their toes into? Like, I, I, have, I have no idea, but yeah, that, that, Whatever. You know what? I changed my stance on the halftime show. It was not good. It's not good. Even with Big Boy coming in with, with uh, what was that? Was that like old school car there? I, yeah, was, he had a, was he had a, a Cadillac. Cadillac? What's a, a Cadillac? I couldn't see. It was it was a Cadillac. And then I think Cadillac like tweeted something at Big Boy. And then he like responded to him and he was like, send me a truck. <laughs> 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 the Super Bowl to me, it. it really made me wonder if they ever gave a fuck about you and I. I mean, <laughs> that's a Maroon Five lyric. I just I don't appreciate it, Jeremy, but I do. <laughs> it is fascinating though because the Colin Kaepernick thing does weigh heavy on the Super Bowl because even like with Big Boy and Travis Scott giving us some excitement for the Super Bowl. 
people were actually criticizing them because the idea that they would have crossed that cultural line towards a league accused of blackballing Colin Kaepernick. Mm-hmm. And I mean, what Travis Scott did have like a sit down apparently with Colin Kaepernick and mm-hmm. Colin Kaepernick was like, I, I don't know. I don't know what happened in their conversation, but obviously I think that if like, if something worthwhile from that conversation would have happened to turn away Travis Scott from doing it, I'm sure he would have pulled out, but I don't know. Like uh, Super Bowl halftime performances just won't, they won't ever live up to what Prince did because that was like literally an act of God that no, threw a and, monsoon down on him with an electric I, car. Like, come on, whatever. I think, I think that, that is the, I think that's part of the myth making of the Super Bowl is that we've always had like one good halftime show in Prince. And we've always then come to this expectation that this halftime shows will always be great. We've had a couple of good Super Bowl commercials with Orson Welles or in 1984 with the Apple commercial. And there's always this expectation was like, oh, you know, the the commercials will be great. And we've had like maybe a few good Super Bowls in history. I was talking with someone else like it took us 10 Super Bowls before we really had a back and forth game. It was Super Bowl 10 with the Cowboys and the and the Steelers. That was actually like interesting. Until then, it was just kind of either a crappy games of of like mistakes or there were blowouts. And but that myth making has kind of like because history filters out all the bad results and keeps the good ones. But you don't have that in the present. So you have to just live with you have to live with the chaff in the present and wait for someone to weed it out. Yeah, you got to wait for years down the road for us to romanticize something about the Super Bowl. Right. Yeah, it, it lives on its own myth. Mm-hmm. Back when they write the book about it, but don't make the movie on it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Movies won't exist. Uh, Owen Strensky asking us: Is ultimate frisbee a sport? Uh, uh, well, okay, so it is a sport for sure. It requires like athletic skill, requires coordination, agility. Um, is there a it, but coming in the sentence? It can be a competition. No, like I'm just answering the question because uh, how is ultimate frisbee? How is ultimate frisbee not a sport? I want to ask a more important question. Okay. I don't remember what it is now, though, because you oh, interrupted okay. me. <laughs> well, we're going on to the next question then. I mean, pers- ultimate frisbee is essentially just football, right? Yeah, Except you can't much. take steps. I don't know. I don't play it. Critical perspective. How many consecutive games would the Patriots have to lose before Belichick was fired? <laughs> Critical sets the over under at 22 and a half. <laughs> I, I think we may have answered this question before. And I, Way, I saw the comments years ago, years yeah, ago. So I, but I love the question so much that I'm, I'm willing to talk about it some more. It, and you know, it, it's actually interesting looking at it again, because I think everyone's first thought is like, Oh, well, an O in 16 season. will obviously get you fired every single time jim schwartz wasn't fired <laughs> what no, hugh, no, jackson, no, wasn't fired. hugh yeah. jackson wasn't hugh fired. jackson wasn't fired i'm I, I completely botched i thought jim schwartz was the coach in 08 and he wasn't nope yeah so, I, so since so we since we last answered the question hugh jackson somehow survived 0 and 16 and only to get fired like, only to get fired the six six games later whatever so he hits the 22 I think it's probably over 22. I think he has for, to for hit. For a guy like Bill Belichick. He has to hit maybe 25. Would would two 0-16 seasons do it? No, I was going to say he can go at least 33 games. <laughs> really? 
the guy has won more Super Bowls than the Lions have won playoff games. But like you just gotta you just gotta imagine the extenuating circumstances that would make it go 0 and 16 with right. something like the Patriots. Like it would have to be completely on his shoulders and not like Tom Brady getting both legs blown off in a freak accident or something. But that but history serves as proof that Tom Brady doesn't matter. Like he made Matt Cassell, he made Matt Castle an eleven and five quarterback. He won football games with Jacoby Brissett, like and Jimmy Garoppolo. On. Like holy, like he got in Jimmy this, Garoppolo paid. In this universe, though, he didn't do it. Like he's not doing that anymore. He goes zero and thirty two. Like he touches the skull, the Freaky Friday skull, and all of his powers are zapped out of him. I I think that they would. I think that they would keep Belichick. As their head coach, while they are on a desperate search for that skull. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, next questions here. Alex Siegel has two for us. Um, If the Lions could sign two free agents, who would you want them to sign and why? And his second question is Assassin's Creed Odyssey or Red Dead Redemption 2? I'll let you guys choose which is the more interesting question to answer. The the football one's the more interesting one because right now video games are just not interesting to me right now. Um, but for some reason, off season football talk is. Uh, one of the obvious answers is like Trey Flowers. Um, I think he had a he had a pretty good performance last night in the Super Bowl. Um, but as far as like another free agent, I I don't know. I don't know if I'm super in on the lines like making a big splash in free agency. Like, I think like if the lions can like work out a deal where they can get Trey flowers, like I, I don't, I would want them spending more money on, on another player outside of him. Yeah. Think, I, I think, the, I, I think Trey flowers is probably the, the bell of the ball, so to speak. And and you're right. It's going to cost them a ton of money. So I don't know if they would be able to make a splash one, but I'm also of the belief that they're going to try to go all in on a, on a cornerback this year. And, there aren't a ton of great names out there. I think maybe the best one out there is Kareem Jackson, uh, but again, thirty-one. I don't know. Uh, I, I, I guess I guess he'd probably be my other answer. I don't know if you could get both. Probably couldn't. But if if I'm leaning towards realism, I think maybe Kareem Jackson is is probably a little more realistic than Trey Flowers because I I don't think this is a team that really wants to spend that much money on an edge rusher. Um, obviously they want to improve that position, but. Matt Patricia loves himself some cornerbacks, and the Lions need one. And so I think I think they go all in on a quarterback this offseason. The answer is Red Dead Redemption, too. <laughs> Question from CJ. You are Martha Ford. The NFL offers a switch of conference. Lions for the Steelers. So Steelers, the NFC North. Lions, the AFC North. North. Would you take it? In a second. Yeah, 100%. Like, I know the, the Browns are up and coming. Bengals are done for a while. Ravens, who knows? They're always wild card. Ravens are the, definitely the wild card. <laughs> yeah, I would take that in a second because I think the Bears are going to be good for a while. I think the Packers are going to be contenders as long as Aaron Rodgers is around. And Vikings are kind of an interesting team. They're a team that I could see fall off. Maybe not next year, but year after that. They could rebound, though. I respect uh, Mike Dimmer a little too much to ever believe that defense is going to have a big drop-off. You'd give up all those historical rivalries. You'd give up the, you'd give up the black and blue division to yes. go hang in the AFC North. 
if I they would, agree on the Bengals. I would absolutely not take that trade. And the why? reason why is because the Vikings play in a dome and none of the teams in the AFC North do. So, hmm. That's actually a good point, I guess. But, I mean, we're only talking about one game a year being different. Yeah, that matters. One, get one game a year, but how do you guys enjoy that polar vortex? I, I, literally, I literally did not work one day last week. <laughs> I think did I think you have, another did thing you have to turn down your thermostat. I've had I've had seven snow days out of on your thermostat. Well, you know, when everybody got the alert from Consumers Energy to turn their their thermostats down to 65, I was like, oh, I got to turn mine up. (laughs) (laughs) But I think I think another part to go back to the actual question is, would you rather would you rather be in the AFC than the NFC? Um, More likely to play the Patriots in the playoffs. Probably well, and and once every three years, and regular once season, every... yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Act like, act like we're making the playoffs anytime soon. I mean, if we were in the AFC North, we would, man. No, uh, I mean, I'm gonna go on record today, the day after the Super Bowl, and say that the Lions are gonna win a playoff game this year. <laughs> oh boy, jeepers! Oh, <laughs> uh, I will either be able to pull the receipts or pretend like they didn't happen, <laughs> just like every other predictor out there. We'll forget about it. Speaking of predictors, what did you guys think of Tony Romo last night? Wasn't too great. Someone like muzzled him or something. He was so subdued. Definitely, definitely had that under. Told you it'd be under. Oh, I mean, you were totally right in the under because like Jim Nance even like he like made a comment about it. <laughs> I was like, that's not fair. To me, it was like he was he felt I think he felt embarrassed about how much press he was getting for calling all those plays. He had, right. a, he had an article in the Wall Street Journal like everyone was looking at him as like the, the swami of. Oh, my God, I just made a Chris Berman reference. Look at that, <laughs> this podcast right now. <laughs> Do you want to back, 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 back it up? Thank you for listening to the Pride Detroit POD cast. We are on iTunes and Stitcher. Our main theme was produced by Ryan Shepard. You can find him on Twitter and on SoundCloud at I am Brian Shepard. I A M B R I A N S H E P A R D. Thanks a lot to him. Check out his stuff. He's been great. He gave us Victory Monday. So go check him out. That's I am Brian Shepard. And thank you for everyone who keeps listening and makes us one of the greatest Lions podcasts possible. Y'all are awesome. See you star side.